Across the Pacific. You're with Radio Australia. Now to a new feature film, speaking of the Marshall Islands, that will have its opening night in Majuro in about 10 days' time. Take a listen to this. Okay, so when we set the equation 6x equals 5x plus 20 to figure out what P and R are, what do we get for x? Anybody? Excuse me, Miss Alice. Excuse me, everybody. This is Tao. He's a new student in your class. Tao, what's your last name again? Uh, Jack. Jack, that's just a small taste of Langenbuehl's gift. It's a film in the Marshallese language with English subtitles. It has a fabulous plot, including three characters from Marshallese mythology, and it tells the story of Jacob, an old island man with a complicated secret. Now, Langenbuehl's Gift is only the fourth feature film to be produced in Marshall Islands, and uh, it's the third from Microwave Films, a not, not-for-profit outfit that pours uh, proceeds into uh, the Majuro Cooperative School. Now, joining us now from Majuro is the screenwriter and co-director of the film, Jack Needenthal. Jack, welcome, uh, and thanks for joining us here on Radio Australia. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Now, I have to say, Jack, when I read the plot for this film and I also watched uh, some of the excerpts that uh, are on YouTube at the moment, I was absolutely captivated. It's a fantastic story. Tell us more about what it's about. Well, you have, as you said, there's an old man with a very complicated secret. As a young man, Jacob was a simpleton. He had, you know, one of these people you see living by the road. He's homeless. And a lot of people bullied him all the time. And he gets chased into an alley. And when he's in this alley, sitting down out of breath, he gets visited by Anoniap, which is a mythical character uh, from Marshley's uh, mythology. It's a, it's a fairy. And this fairy bestows upon him intelligence. But he says there's one little catch, and that is someday you're going to have to pass this intelligence on to somebody else. And you'll know who when the time arrives. He doesn't give him any other hints. So we pick up the story when Jacob's an old man, and he meets this younger guy who's much like he was, a simpleton, a homeless guy who lives in a cardboard box, and his name is Lungenbill. And he starts to think maybe this is the person that Noniath had been talking about. And just as he gets to know this young man, Lungenbill, along comes this Medjinkwar who begins this huge battle. Uh, Medjinkwar is a demon that, that possesses young pregnant women in Marthalee's myth- mythology. And she's getting in a fight with this shaman named Lejimu, who's very good at exercising this demon from young pregnant women. I know this sounds sort of complicated, but to... to engage in this battle, the Medjinkwar decides to get back at Lejimbu two different ways. One is she takes Lungenbill, this, this homeless kid, and turns him into Lei Tao, who's a, a mythical character also from Marshallese legend, who's a, who's a trickster and who loves to fool women into loving them. And the Medjinkwar sends this Lei Tao character, uh, who was Lungenbill, after Miko, who's 
uh, Lejimu's beloved granddaughter and wants to drive her, his job is to drive her crazy. And on the other hand, the Mejinkwar also possesses Bartoe, which is one of her best friends, his wife, and she's pregnant, so she slips into a coma. So you have all these influences on these personalities here by this Mejinkwar in this huge fight, and poor Jacob, who was just beginning to befriend Lungbill, can't find him anymore because he's been transformed into this other character. He finds his glasses and phone by the road. So he spends the film sort of trying to figure out what happened to this young man because he believes this is the person he has to help. But I don't want to give too much of the story away, but that's basically how this story unfolds throughout the, the movie. Well, it has more intrigue than your uh, normal Hollywood blockbuster, that's for sure. And uh, I suppose, uh, as, as you say, really, it's, it's a bit of a classic struggle, isn't it, between the forces of light and darkness, which is a, a universal theme, I guess, but this one particularly pertinent to your target audience because it uses those, uh, those characters from Marshallese mythology, I suppose, characters that everyone in Marshall Islands grows up knowing all about. And that's right. And, and one thing we try to convey in this film, really the point of the film is how old people here really take care of the younger generation. I mean, this is, I, I guess it happens in other cultures, but I think in island cultures, the, the older people play a, a heavier role in the development of young people. And it's about passing on customs and traditions and ultimately showing young people how to be kind to each other. And doing it in a, in a very entertaining and engaging way, I suppose, because if you want to get young people on board, you've got to do that, don't you? Well, that's right. And we shoot this, uh, a lot of the film takes place at the high school, here, one of the high schools here. And it's a really nice feeling that this film gives to the community here because everyone's involved. All the people you see in the film are people you know. I mean, we have a, a sitting Madro senator, David Kramer, in the film. We have the Bikini Atoll mayor, Allison Kalins, in the film. We have the manager of the Marshall Islands Resort, Bill Weza. I mean, we just take from a lot of different people in the community and say, hey, you want to be in a movie? And everybody just loves to do this. So it's really been a lot of fun. Yeah, and they're all volunteers, aren't they? Like, there's no, um, no one's being paid for any of this, and, and the film itself is uh, completely privately funded. That's right. Uh, Suzanne Jutaro, who helps direct in this movie, and actually she does most of the direction. I do a lot of the technical work with the films. Um, she and I fund this film out of our own pockets. We don't go out and try to get grants or anything. All the people who are in the film all volunteer, and they know what we're doing with the money in this film. We're giving it to the school here. And so it makes it a, a really nice project. And you would think, oh, this is volunteer. Nobody's going to want to do it. But Suzanne and I have had people banging on our door to get in this film after the first two. They, they were really immensely popular here, and everybody wants to be on the big screen. So it does, the money is not an object here, which is another really nice thing about it. Mm. Of course, one person who maybe didn't volunteer but was maybe volunteered for the role was your one-year-old grandson. Tell us about that. Well, one interesting thing about this script as compared to the other two that I wrote, the other two when I wrote the scripts, I sort of said, well, I can't write this into the story because I don't think we'd be able to pull it off. With this script, I just sat down and I wrote the story and I said, you know what, I'm just going to write the story. I don't care how hard it is to pull off. I'm just going to put it in there and we'll figure it out later. Well, one of the, the things I wanted to show, one, one of the uh, objects of this film is I like to show things that happen in the Marshall Islands that don't really happen anywhere else. And one of the big ceremonies here, for example, is uh, the first birthday of a young child, a Cayman. It's the biggest celebration they have here. It's even bigger than a wedding. 
and it basically is a way to celebrate the child's first year of life and that they're beyond that stage of infancy when they could possibly die. So it's a big celebration. And I wrote that into the script, and then I realized, how am I going to do this? And I just, so I said, I'll just wait for our Cayman of my first grandson, and we'll throw him into the film. And uh, it was kind of strange being at the Cayman, running around with my camera while my wife wanted us celebrating this great day. I was there in a T-shirt trying to film everybody doing things, but it worked out, and it's, uh, it's really some of the funniest parts of the film. Mm. You sort of touched upon a point uh, earlier, Jack, about Marshallese people actually being able to see in this film parts of their their own everyday life. And you've made the point before that uh, you know, never seeing a growing up, never seeing seeing a film in your own language or set in your own country or dealing with your issues and values as they relate to your own culture, you're really being robbed, aren't you? I suppose you know yours is now the fourth Marshallese film, so there are some out there. But this this is really really important stuff, isn't it? I think it's immensely important. My kids, you know, my wife is Marshallese. My kids are therefore Marshallese. And, and it all began when my son said to me in a video store one day, how come there are no films in Marshallese, kids' films or any other kind of films? And that's when it got, it got into my, my head that this is something with the technology nowadays. I mean, my films aren't technically perfect. It was a learning process. I had to teach myself everything pretty much. But we are able now with the technology that's out there to produce your own films. You don't need Hollywood or anybody else, uh, big, big investors to help you. You can just go out there and do it if, if you have the right kind of computer software and camera equipment. And it's really important to me that these young kids are able to see, as you said, uh, films in their own language, dealing with their own culture, um, just, just situ- on their own island, you know, place, the place where they're from, to, to know that their lives are worthy of exploration and film. And I think that's a really, really big point, and that's really the driving force behind us doing these kinds of films. Mm. As we touched on before, you, you're shooting these films uh, using all volunteers and, and without loads of technical backup and supplies. What are some of the challenges that you face through working and are relying upon volunteers who all have other things in their lives? They're not professional actors. And I have other things in my life, too. <laughs> really? Which, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have a real job. Um, the, the, the hardest part is getting everybody at the same place at the same time to do something. Everyone, like you said, everyone has these schedules they have to stick to, and sometimes the tide isn't right, the notion's making too much noise, we have to do it, you know, a week later, or someone who's intoxicated shows up and starts yelling and screaming and dancing out in the street while we're trying to shoot a very intimate scene. Um, you just can't walk over and say, hey, be quiet. Um, these are people's houses that we're in. I mean, we even in this movie, we even stage a funeral, which uh, I can't tell you how difficult that was because we had all these people dressed in black outside of a house uh, surrounding you. Know, there's a dead body in there. And people started stopping because they thought someone in this house had died. And it was really hard to explain. No, we're just shooting a movie. And, you know, it's, it, it's just... It, it's really hard to explain to someone who doesn't live here how difficult some of these things are. But in the end, it's all an imme- it's very challenging, but it's an immense amount of fun. Everybody loves doing these films. Um, it's just been a really... Uh, in fact, the, the, the young man who stars in the film, his name is Johan Angelok, he, he was actually in high school in Arkansas, and I had known him for years. His father's a good friend of mine. And he 
we were just corresponding, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm writing this new movie. Would you like to be the star in it? And he was just, he said, oh, my God, I, I had to stop typing on the computer. I had to get my breath. He was so excited about it. I mean, he had done some drama in high school. And I had to actually have him send a picture to me so I can remember what he looks like as I wrote the story. So, you know, people are just tremendously excited about uh, participating in these ventures that we do. And it's, it's really hard. to. Every time we do one, we go, are we going to do another one? And we just have to take this collective breath and stand back and sort of, you know, think, is this, is this something we really can commit to again? It's, it's a really tough thing to do. But in the end, it's very, very gratifying for everybody. Mm. So, Jack, the, the film has its uh, grand opening at the Marshall Islands Resort in Majuro on the, the 21st of May. I bet you'll have a big turnout for that one. I'm sure we will. And, you know, the, the time now between you're finished with the film and the time it gets released, it's almost like you're, you're uh, waiting for your wife to deliver a baby or something. I mean, it's, it's so intensely nerve-wracking, but uh, it's a fun time too, so I, I do hope people like it. And how long will it run for? And if, you, if people can't actually see it, listening around the region, uh, what about DVD? Well, our plan right now is we're going to show it uh, that one day. You know, our, our movie theater here in Madro has closed down. It's been closed for about a year, so now we have to show this in at the resort. And we're going to show it uh, next weekend and then the following weekend for two days. And we're just going to sort of take it from there. We're talking to a little bit to the movie theater about possibly letting us clean it up and, and open it up and show it a few times there. But I expect a DVD late summer or early fall. And, you know, our, our website, uh, microwave fil- microwavefilms.org, uh, we'll have the information about how to get the DVD when it comes out. Fantastic. Well, uh, good luck with um, your opening night. Thank you so, so much for showing interest in our, our project. I really appreciate it.